Lord and our God, King of the universe. Lord, we praise your holy name, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for bringing us through another week. Thank you for giving us your word and giving us your encouragement. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would uplift us right now and strengthen us by the power of your word. In Yeshua's holy name, amen. amen. Our text today uh, is out of, continues out of 2 Kings chapter 6 with Elisha. And Syria was warring against Israel, and the king consulted with his servants, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. So he's planning out, he's getting together his commanders, and they're planning their moves. And so he's in the, the situation room, right? Is that what we call it, right? And so they're planning their situations. So there's a secret meeting, right? Only the heads of state there, and they're planning out their moves. And a man of God sent the king of Israel, a man of God referring to Elisha, sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. And the king of Israel sent someone to the place in which the man of God had told him. And thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So this happened on and on and on again, over and over again, that the Syrian commander is planning out his war strategy, God reveals it to Elijah. Elijah warns the king of Israel. Instead of the king of Israel just believing Elijah, he sends a messenger out, go and make sure that what he said is right. And he so goes out and spies out. And, oh, yeah, he comes back. Yeah, there's a Syrian army there. We better not go there. So he wasn't fully believing, but he believed a little bit, enough to go check it out. And so he checks it out, and it happens again over and over again several times, not once or twice, but several times that God is protecting uh, his people um, from the warring Syrians, even though the king wasn't, again, as faithful and as trusting. This uh, is either Jehu or one of Jehu's sons uh, this time of Elijah. It doesn't give us the exact date in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're up to verse 9 and 10. And so, uh, so this is kind of like uh, um, God used Elijah uh, just like the U.S. uses the NSA, right? You know, so uh, God is spying on the Syrians, and, uh, and now you know, the United States spies on us, you know, and everybody else in the world as well, right? So, and the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, show me which of us is for the king of Israel, right? So he knows something's going on. Every time we plan an attack, they seem to be in on it. So which of you is telling on me? Which of you is a double agent? Which of you is a spy? Someone fess up or somebody, you know, tell on someone else. We know something's going on here. And this is not just coincidence. This is happening several times. So he senses something else. I mean, they've looked through the building. They've looked for bugs. They checked everything, you know. And, uh, and there doesn't seem to be any spying going on. And so he can't figure it out. And so he's interrogating his men. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That got him scared. It got his mistress even more scared. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, now I want to know how this servant knew that Elijah knew and that Elijah was informing the king of Israel. So Syria must have had its spies as well, right? You know, so they're spying on each other. Somehow he knows that Elijah the one, is the one who is telling the king of Israel. 
She's got some inf inside information, which is very revealing. That the, that the name of Elisha is known by at least some of the servants in, in Syria. So the message has gone out there. And uh, again, if this is Jehu or one of Jehu's sons or grandsons, it was Elijah who went and anointed him to be the next king, if you remember as we covered that. And so uh, the king of Syria well knows the power of God working through this man Elijah. And so that should just send shivers, shivers down his spine, and he should just lay off right there. Okay, well, if that's what God is doing, you know, that he's protecting them and protecting them through Elisha. I know that Elijah prophesied my, I was to be king or my dad was to be king or my grandfather was to be king. And so uh, I, better, I better lay off. But he doesn't. He said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Go get him for me. Go find out where he is. I mean, that's kind of funny, right? The servant already told him, he knows what's going on in your bedroom. So if, if, Elijah's, if God's telling Elijah where they are to attack Israel, certainly God's going to tell them that they're coming for you now. <laughs> Get out of town, hide, or whatever, right? I mean, how do you sneak up on someone who God is telling your every move, right? So he's not able to figure that through. <laughs> but he's going to determine in his own strength and his own power that he is mightier than God, and we're just going to capture God's servant and silence this voice that has been hearing what's going on in our situation room and in my bedroom, and, and I'm going to just silence him by I'm going to go catch him. Again, you know, when we think we can get around God, that we can kind of trick God, that God's word said this, but we'll just do it this way, and we'll just work around God. And, you know, we got our ways of, of trying to manipulate things and get things so it works to our human uh, when we forget how big God is. That God knows all, God sees all. That he knows not only what we're saying to our friends, what we're posting on Facebook, what we're emailing, what we're saying in private. Not only does he know what's going on in our bedrooms and in our house, he knows what's going on in our heads as well. He knows what's going on in our hearts as well. He knows our thoughts, he knows our plottings, he knows our desires, he knows where we're truly at, where our allegiance truly is, whether it's for him or whether for ourselves. We can't trick him. We can try and lie to ourselves. We can try and trick others. We can put on a face. We can put on a mask, but we can't fool God. And this is just, again, another testimony of it, this, this account that God knew everything that the Syrians were plotting and was able to reveal it to Elisha. And yet the king thought he could get around that. And sometimes we think we can hide our thoughts from God. And we can't. Or our actions from God. And we can't. And we shouldn't. Better for us to surrender them, to acknowledge them, to confess the wrong ones, to confess our carnal desires, and surrender them at his feet and ask him to remove them from us Accept the sacrifice of the Messiah for those evil thoughts, for those evil actions, and ask for his power and his spirit to transform us and change us. To give us his thoughts. To give us his heart. To give us his desire. So that way, we can be an open book before him because it's 
He's just reading himself in us. So they go to try and attack. And so the king sent horses and chariots and a great army to get this one guy. And they came by night. Oh, maybe God doesn't see at night. Maybe God doesn't see what's going on in dark places. Right? Well, and they surround the city. That's what the Bible says too, right? It says that the, the evil do their deeds in darkness for fear of the light, that the light would expose them. And we see that in society even today. That a lot of the evil stuff that goes on is clouded in darkness. Even stuff that's done out in the open, but done in darkness. I mean out in the open, that people you know, aren't ashamed to go there. It's advertised to come and, and come to this, this place. So it's not a secretive thing. I'm talking about like nightclubs and bars. It's usually dark. Why is it so dark? Because subconsciously, the, the conscious, they, they know that what they're doing is evil, and they're trying to hide it, in a sense. We try and hide our deeds in darkness. And so he's trying to hide his attack on God. He's trying to hide his attack on God's servant by coming at night, as if that might work, as if we might not see what's going on. And next verse, this thing's not working too good tonight. There we go. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God saw the great army surrounding the city, I guess in the morning he wakes up at sunrise and he says, Alas, master, what shall we do? He's in a panic. Now it doesn't give us this, this servant's name. Uh, we know that uh, his other servant, when he sold himself out to steal... Uh, from, uh, from Naaman, the leprosy came upon him. So he's got a new servant now, and, uh, and his servant sees the, the army out there. And, Master, what are we going to do? Now this servant might have seen the other works of God that we've talked about. The pot of, of poisonous uh, weeds or poisonous plants that Elijah braided threw some, some flour in, and it was healed. It was ed edible. He might have seen that miracle. He might have seen the, the man bring the, the barley loaves and Elijah pray over it and multiply and feed over a hundred of the sons of the prophets. He might have seen the, the axe head float up out of the Jordan River. And yet now when he's surrounded by these chariots, the whole city surrounded, armies and horses and soldiers, what shall we do? What should we do when we're in a tight place? What should we do when we're surrounded by circumstances and there seems no way forward? There seems no way out. Pray to God. That's right. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to him. And we're always surrounded. One third of the heavenly angels. The Bible says there's myriads and myriads and ten thousands and tens of thousands out there. And one-third of the original, that's what's left, two-thirds, one-third of the original bunch are all condensed just to this one little planet. This is their focus. You know, some people you know, think there's a demon behind every rock, you know? I don't think that. But there's at least two behind every rock, you know? 
They've got us surrounded. This earth is the devil's planet. Currently, he's the prince of this earth still. It's going to be taken back to its original owner. God will redeem it and recreate it, but still right now, the devil is still roaming to and through throughout this earth, causing calamities and causing problems. And he has us surrounded. That's why we need to be instant in prayer. Continually in prayer. And oftentimes he binds us up, or sometimes our own choices put us in situations, or choices of others put us in circumstances that we're surrounded in. There seems like there's no way out. Doesn't seem like there's any financial solution, like that story Gloria read to us tonight. Person, senior year of high school or college, doesn't have the money to finish the year. No way out. Packs their bags, ready to go. They don't have the money. God provided and opened the door. Often in this life, we're going to go through situations where there seems like there's no way out. But we need to trust God. Because while Satan is the prince of this world, God is the ruler of the universe. Amen. And that card trumps them all. God is still over it all. And even as Satan goes around thinking he is so big and so mighty, he still cannot get away with anything upon God's children that God does not allow. We will not be tempted beyond which we are able. And with the temptation, God will provide a way of escape. We need to trust in the Lord. Sometimes circumstances just seem, sometimes we think we're like, we're caught, I'm in this job, I can't get out of this job, and I hate my boss, and I hate the job, and there doesn't seem to be any way out, and no one else is hiring, and I don't know what I'm going to do. It seems like nowhere to go. We can trust God, pray to God, and God is able to open the right thing at the right time. Trusting in the Lord. Waiting upon Him. Hearing His call and then following in Him. Sometimes it seems like in relationships that we are. Why do I end up with these parents? Why do I end up with these children? How do I choose this spouse? Sometimes we seem like we're caught and surrounded and there's no way out. But we need to trust God. Allow God to work. So the servant says, Alas, Master, what shall we do? And Elijah says, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Maybe I'll read that again. Elijah said, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Yay, hallelujah, amen, right? We can close the book right here. I mean, we don't need to go any further anywhere in the Bible. This is it. This is it. If we remember this verse, there is nothing else we need to know. Memorize this one, and it's all there. There is more. Do not fear. Do not fear. There is nothing to fear. For there is more with us. Because God is with us. Thus there is more with us than are with them. They were surrounded by a great army. Physically, human. But no doubt also the whole spiritual forces of the enemy wanted to catch Elisha and silence Elijah. When doubt that 
Satan had mustered a whole bunch of his evil angels, a whole portion, large portion of his evil angels to this battle to try and silence Elijah. Elijah didn't flinch. He didn't worry. He didn't get upset. He didn't get afraid. He didn't get anxious. He trusted in the Lord. There's more with us than are with them. And there are always more with us than are with them. Always. Trusting in the Lord. You know that doubt have heard this. It's a great expression. That us plus God is a majority. Right? We trust in God. Unite with him. He's already committed himself to us. He's already covenanted himself to us. We match up with that other side of the covenant continually and always loving him, committing to him, recommitting to him, rededicating ourselves to him, staying by him, allowing him to work inside us, allowing him to transform us and change us. We're knit together with him. We've got all the resources of heaven at our disposal. He will not let anything happen to us that is not according to his will to help us in our walk towards heaven, to strengthen our faith, to help us in our growth, to help us in the sanctification process, to bring about his honor and glory, to reveal his power, to reveal his goodness, to reveal his love, to help others to come to heaven. He's got a purpose for, and plan for everything that he allows. As we walk in his way, and walk in his will, we have nothing to fear because there is more with us than are with them. Whoever the them is, and again, the ultimate them of the devil and all of his minions, there is more with us. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, there is God the Spirit. There's only one devil. God has two-thirds of the angels. The devil only has one-third. God has all power. How much does that leave for Satan? None. None. He's got some magic tricks is really all he has. All he has as far as power is deception. And when he works his deception in us, he gets us afraid, he gets us anxious, he gets us worried, he gets us to make wrong choices, he pulls us away from Satan, from God with his lies and his deceptions. And that's his power. But if we don't listen to his lies, if we don't buy into his deceptions, he has absolutely no power over us. We are more than a match. United to God. God's power, there is more with us. We can overcome in all things, no temptation, no struggle, no habit it can be, uh, that can't be overcome through the power of the Lord. No problem that can't be solved. That's when we trust in God. God knows the plan. God sees the future. We can trust him and lay everything at his feet. And like Elijah, just sit back throughout the whatever worst problem 
Don't worry. God's with us. There's more on our side than on their side. There is no reason that we can't have the same faith that Elisha had. Where did Elisha get that faith? Was he born with that? Was it, did it come naturally to him? No. No, he was born just like you and me. He was born carnal. He was born of the flesh. He was born with doubts. He was born with a carnal nature. So where did he get such faith? That's right, from the CEO. That's right. God gave him the faith. In his walk with the Lord, in his continual walk with the Lord, through the problems, through the struggles, seeing God work, trusting God, seeing God work in, in Elijah's life, trusting God, his faith was built and built and built. And if we trust the Lord, our faith will grow, our faith will build. Trust and asking God to give us faith. It says, let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Yeshua. God wants to give us the very faith that he gave Yeshua. The very faith, by giving us the very mind, by putting his mind in our mind, he will give us the faith that he had. That's what he did for Elijah. Elijah kept the commandments of God and had the faith of Yeshua. That faith is available to every single one of us. Whatever problem you're going through, whatever struggle you're going through, whatever trial you're going through currently, in the past or in the future, there is more with you than are with them as you trust in the Lord. He's got it all under control. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me in his hand. Because <laughs> there's nothing to fear. He's got more than the whole world. He's got the whole universe in his hand. He's a big God. How big is our God? And when we focus on how big our God is, our problem becomes very small in comparison. Even something as this. I, mean, I don't know, maybe someone, some of us here have major problems. How many here have been totally surrounded around the whole entire city that you're living in with a whole army out set to get you? See, uh, you know, 100,000 soldiers, armed soldiers with chariots and horses or tanks and jeeps that have surrounded this St. Petersburg to get you. How many have had that happen? No, not that bad, okay. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, if he can trust him through this, whatever problem we're going through, because I'm sure if they were able to get him, the Syrian king, you know, was not going to just uh, play patty cake with him. This was serious business, and he wasn't afraid. When Peter was in prison, sentenced to be executed the next day, and knowing it's very possible that God might allow that, he allowed James to lose his head, now they've come for Peter. They saw, hey, that worked pretty good. Now they're coming for Peter. And they arrest Peter. And what was he doing? The Bible tells us. He was sleeping. That was Paul. Paul was singing praises. Peter, you know, I, he took a nap. <laughs> he prayed. He trusted in the Lord. And he went to sleep. 
The angel had to come and wake him up. Slept like a baby, trusting the Lord. Right? Like Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. Our God's able to deliver you from us, us from that furnace. They saw the men, I guess not yet, yeah, they saw how hot the furnace was, heating it ten times hotter. Our God is able, we're not going to bow down. And even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down. They don't care, there's no fear. No, really no fear. That's where God wants to bring us to the point of really having no fear. Not based on machoism or self-determination, but having no fear because we trust God. Because we fear God. Because we believe that with God, there are more with us than are with them. We have nothing to fear. He can throw us in the fire, throw us in prison. He can threaten to behead us tomorrow. You might be able to behead us tomorrow, but you might not. Either way, I can trust in the Lord and take a nap. I can trust in the Lord and sing praises to him. Trusting in God. So whatever situation you're going through now, I invite you to trust God. I invite you to pray to him. I invite you to determine that no matter what, you're not going to bow down to the devil. You're not going to yield to the temptation to take a shortcut, try, attempted shortcut, to bypass the problem, to dig your way out, to, to surrender to the enemy, but to trust God. And then maybe sing a song, sing a song, sing a, sing a hymn, praise the Lord, and then take a nap. Trust the Lord. Rest in Him. And watch Him work. Again, really, memorize this, get this down, understand it in its context, that he's not afraid because it's God who is the more that's with them. We understand that in the light of the plan of salvation, not only here physically, but in that uh, when our records are opened up, there's more with us on the, on the witness stand than are against us because God is with us, claiming his blood in our behalf. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, standing there trying to accuse us day and night. There's more with us. The judge is our father. There is more with us in the judgment. Our salvation has already been paid. There is more with us than are with them. We hold fast to this message, this verse, just this verse. We can close the book. We preach this verse every single week for the rest of our lives. Have no fear, there is more with us than it with them. God is more than a match for the devil and everything. He's able to deliver us even from ourselves and our faulty choices. He's more than a match. He can deliver us from everything. So what does he do for Elijah? Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So first the servant sees all the chariots of the enemy, the Syrians, and, God, and Elisha prays, Lord, help him to see what I see. Help him to see the reality that's out there. And God opens his eyes and lets him see what's really there. 
And while there's really the Syrian soldiers out there, there is also God's army out there as well, with chariots of fire surrounding Elijah, and nothing is going to get through. God needs to give us that spiritual discernment. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Angel of the Lord surrounding us, camped around us. God is our rear guard. God goes before us. We trust in him. He'll give us the spiritual discernment to see we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but our wrestling and our warring is against the devil, and that God is more than a match for the devil. He kicked them out of heaven. No problem for God. He's surrounding us. He's surrounding each one of us right now. He's surrounding you. He's surrounding me with his heavenly angels. He's got his shield of protection around us. Don't step out of that through disobedience. Don't step out of that protection, through rebellion, through resistance. God gives us the free choice. I'm able to put this surrounding protection around you. But if you don't want it, I'll call off my security guards if you want. If you think you can handle it on your own, I'll let you try and handle it on your own. But if you want, I'll put this protection around you. Again, that doesn't mean we will never get hurt. James did get beheaded. Daniel and his friends eventually did die. Other people did get killed. Stephen did get stoned. There's no promise that we're not going to get hurt on this earth. But God is still more than a match. It's the eternal life that God promises to us. And all the trials that he sees us through here help to ensure that we are ready for there and that we're able to bring other people with us. And so when the Syrians came to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this people with blindness. And God struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. That's very interesting. It wasn't that God said, Elijah, don't worry, I'm going to blind them. Like kind of what happened with Lot. right? God blinded the men who were coming to try and get him. Lot didn't pray God blind them. But God just did it. But Elijah prayed God blind them. And God blinded them according to the prayer of Elijah. That's powerful. God's willing to, we pray according to his will. God says, yeah, I, I like that idea. We could do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'll work. There's a lot of things I can do, Elijah. I could, you know, just make them hear a noise and cause them to run away as he did other times. There's a lot of things he could have done. Had them fight themselves and kill themselves off as he did other times. So Elijah, well, how do you want to deal with this? How do you want to handle this? So Elijah prayed. Blind them. God says, okay. And he answers Elijah's prayer. It's in harmony with what God's wanting to do. He's in tune with God. And we can be in tune with God as well. Again, there is nothing in Elijah, there's nothing special about Elijah that God does not make available to each and every single one of us. As we surrender our lives to the Lord, and are filled with him, and trust in him. And then Elijah said to them, this is not the city, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. They're all blind, okay, whatever, you know, we don't know what happened, but we're all blind, and so, you know, whatever you say, we'll do. 
And so he starts following them. He's leading these guys, his whole army, these chariots and all like that, and he's taking them down to Samaria. And when they came to Samaria, Elijah prayed again, Lord, open their eyes. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw they were inside the walls of Samaria. They brought them right in through the gate. I love to see the people in Samaria as this is happening, you know. <laughs> open the gates, I got a present for you, and brings them in. Kind of a reverse Trojan horse type of thing here. He brings them into the wall. They're walled in, shut the gates. They're blinded there. Then he prays, open their eyes. And when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? At least the king is smart enough to check with Elijah. Elijah brought them there. So he's submitting to Elijah. That's good. That's real good. What should I do with them? Thank you for bringing me these Syrians that came to try and get you. I'm going to kill them? Now, if Elijah wanted them killed, he would have prayed, God killed them. <laughs> Elijah said, blind them, he blinds them, he brings them, and then he has them open their eyes. But he answered, you should not kill them. Would you kill those whom you've taken captive with the sword or bow? Or, you know, if you went out to war and you had captives... You wouldn't bring them back and kill them, right? I mean, that goes against the Geneva Convention, right? You've got you to gotta, you gotta protect them, you've got to provide for them, you know, and then give them back after the war is over, right? So he says, these are captives. This is not out in battle. This is not out in the field. You can't kill them there. These are captives. We brought them back as captives. And so you can't kill them. Don't kill them. Now, why did God do this to the Syrians? Why did he allow them? Why did he go with Elijah's plan to blind them? And then bring them to Samaria. So they would see the power of God. So they would see the power of God. Why did God want them to see the power of God? So they would worship. So they would worship. Huh? What? He loves them. He loves them. That's right. He loved the Syrians. Right? He loved the Syrians and he wanted them to see the power of God. And he wanted them to worship him. Right? He didn't want to just kill them. He could have just killed them. He had all his chariots of fire out there. One angel could have just wiped them all out. He didn't want to kill them. He wanted them to come to the Lord as well. And so he says, Elijah, that's a great plan. I love it. We'll blind them. We'll bring them to Samaria. Open their eyes, not only to see they're in Samaria, but their eyes, just like I opened the eyes of your servant, that he was able to see the bigger picture. And we need our eyes opened as well. We need to see the big picture. We need to see God in it all. We need to see God behind and over every rock that has two demons or more behind them. That God is bigger than it all. And see, God's plan over it all. That God is more than a match. That God loves us with an eternal love. That God is in it for the long haul. That God is concerned for our eternal salvation, and not just ours, but for all the world, including the Syrians and everybody out there. And he says, set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. So feed them. I brought them here to you. Feed them. It's been a long journey. Feed them. Give them some water. And let them go home. And let them tell of the power of God. God loves this king of Israel. A king of Syria. He's working on his heart. He heals Naaman and sends him back. 
Again, he sent Elijah to go and anoint him to be the king. And now he's sending all of these guys there as a testimony of the power and love of God. And if God loved them ruthlessly, this time period, the Syrians here were horrible, ruthless. This is part of the same group that um, um, Jonah doesn't want to go to. Horrible. They were mean. But God loved them anyway. And sends them a testimony of his power and his goodness and his greatness. God is still reaching out to this world. And so the king prepared a great feast for them and sent them to their master. And the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more to Israel. Praise the Lord, huh? Amen. So the king obeyed, prepares a feast for them, a great feast for them. It's like what Yeshua said, right? Your enemy comes and asks for your, to go to a mile, go two miles for them. You're going to bless them, to give to them. Demonstrate God's love to them. And he does that. Not just a feast, not just food and water, but a great feast for them. Show the mercy and power of God. And then sends them back to the master. And it works. Syrian raiders came no more to Israel. At 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 23. Now the next verse, 24, says, And after this, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, that same king, gathered all his army and besieged Samaria. Now, I don't know what that meant up there in verse 23 when it says the bands of Syrian raiders came no more to Israel. I don't have that one figured out yet. Maybe if anyone has any insights on that, I'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> maybe by next week, that's what we'll pick up next week. Uh, maybe by next week, God will give me some insight on that or one of us insight and share that with, with me. Uh, but uh, verse 23 says, Syrian raiders came no more to Israel, but then eventually they do come and try to uh, unfortunately, the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, doesn't get the message, doesn't grasp it, doesn't, from Naaman, his servant coming, from the servant that he had that said, God is sending messages to Elijah, he sees what's going on in your bedroom, to his whole army coming back and telling him we were blinded, and then we were taken to Samaria, and they gave us this great feast, and then he sent us home. Still didn't soften his heart. For a time, kind of like Pharaoh. But then his heart gets hardened again. We need to allow God to continually soften our hearts. Continually draw us to him. The major thing I want us to walk away with is that there is more with us than are with them. There's more on your side. God is on your side. Thus, there is more on your side than is on the devil's. Trust in the Lord. Lay all your problems at his feet, all your cares and all your burdens, all your worries, all your anxieties at his feet, and trust the Lord. So as we pray together, whatever is on your heart, however God's been speaking to you, whether you need to trust him more, maybe you're going through something, maybe you feel like you're surrounded by circumstances or situations with no way out, and you need God to just open your eyes, see the bigger picture. 
for God to eventually reveal one of the thousands of ways that he has to, to uh, deliver you. You need to trust him. Maybe you've tried, been trying to work around his, he hears, he sees, he knows, and you've been trying to fool him, you've been trying to cover up, trying to hide in darkness some sin or some situation or some thought or some motive. Stop playing the game and just surrender it to God. And lay it at his feet. Let him take it away. Let him remove it. And let him fill you with his spirit to change you and transform you into his image. Or whatever else God might have been speaking to you tonight. As we pray, just open your heart to him and let him come in. As we pray together. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your holy name, Lord. You are a wonderful God, a mighty God. We're thankful, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. We're thankful, Lord, that you own all the cattle on a thousand hills and you own all the planets in the universe, including this planet. And that there's more on your side than are on the devil's side. And you have all power and they have nothing. Lord, key us in, lock us into your power to trust in you, to rely on you, to be surrendered to you. Whatever worry, fear, care we have right now, whatever sin is in our life right now, we want to let go of it, and we want to be filled with your love, filled with your faith, fill our mind with your faith, fill our mind with your, your thoughts, fill our heart with your desires, and work your will in us. Help us to see the bigger picture in this world in your universe, in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.